Hi there and welcome to our podcast at Kirkliston Parish Church. We hope you're doing well and that you've had a good week and we appreciate you tuning in and listening to our series Sensing Jesus Through Our Senses. This week we are looking at sight. Now in the Zulu culture in Africa, they say the word sawabona when they greet someone. When someone hears the word sawabona, they respond with the word sikona. Sawabona means I see you. The ritual reply then is sikona, which means I am here. The order is important. You never say sikona without having been greeted with sawabona. Why? Until you see me, I have no existence. Your seeing brings me into being. Isn't that beautiful? Your seeing brings me into being. I see you and therefore acknowledge your presence. Isn't that what we do when we call on the name of the Lord? It gives us an opportunity to see him also through our prayers as we connect with him. We're hoping today as we dip into John 9 to discover just what it means to truly be healed from blindness, our spiritual blindness often. So we hope you enjoy our time of fellowship together and um, hope you are able to also join us for the next few weeks as we dip further into what it means to listen to God, to see Him, to taste Him, to hear Him and to sense Him with everything that we've got. I find it difficult to see when it's raining, especially at night when it's dark and my glasses get all foggy from the condensation. Luckily, as many of you already know, we have this product called Anti-Fog. The only thing that helps is actually to stop and to take off your glasses and to wipe them clean. I, need, I believe we need to do this more often spiritually speaking, and as often as possible if we really want to follow in Christ's footsteps. Seeing was one of Jesus' favorite metaphors for spiritual awareness. He said things like, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. So how do we find this Jesus and how can we see it? Someone said, you don't find Jesus by looking for him, but by being him with and for those who need him most. Go find someone to love and you will find God. God lurks everywhere, but most especially where you least expect to find the divine. And that's where our story kicks off in the most unlikely of places, in the eyes of a blind beggar according to society and culture, has no worth, no contribution. If anything, is seen as a bit of an embarrassment and a liability. As we've heard, a sinner. That's all he is to the Pharisees and the highly spiritual disciples. Objectified as an opportunity to engage in philosophical discussion. Jesus will open eyes, and not only physical eyes, but spiritual eyes 
as the man exclaims, I once was blind, but now, now I see. Do you know what's heartbreaking in this story? What's really tragic about this chapter in John 9? This man is the only one who is smiling. I mean, how can that be? A grand miracle had just taken place. You think that everywhere you look, you'd see broad smiles, maybe even a few folks wiping away tears of joy. Instead, this story is mostly about people being somber. And make no mistake, this was a big miracle. Because as the late neurologist Oliver Sacks once pointed out, for once blind people to function, they need to have not just their optic hardware repaired, but they need to get the necessarily mental software installed too. The ability to see is one part, a physical phenomenon, but also one part, a mental exercise. Functioning as a sighted person requires having access to a long backlog of visual experience. That just makes Jesus's incredible miracle more special. Yet, there is only one man smiling. And the reason for this is as startling as it is tragic. There were some who just didn't want God around, or they were okay with the idea of encountering God, but then it had to be on their terms. For the Pharisees, it, it was simple. If God were here, we'd know it because it look and act just like us by following our rules. This Jesus fellow doesn't fit that bill. So his divine pretensions are as sinful as they are laughable. They'd know God when they saw him and Jesus, well, he wasn't it. When the Pharisees tell him that God had nothing to do with this, his reaction is as honest as it is accurate. Well, okay, but if you can explain what happened to me without reference to God, I'd love to hear. because. And forgive me if I've mentioned this before. I once was blind, but now I see. For the Pharisees, there's just too much joy going on here. So in the end, they throw this man out on his ear. If they cannot stop him celebrating the goodness of God, they can at least put him out of earshot. Among the greatest ironies of this story, in John 9 is this, both the disciples and the Pharisees tried to make a connection between bad things and God. God must have been pretty mad at someone to produce a guy like this. The disciples say when they first see the blind beggar, so Lord, who messed up, this fellow or his parents? And that's how a lot of people operate. You see something bad, you chalk it up to someone's sin and make God out to be the one who punishes. The universe operates on this principle of quid pro quo, tit for tat. Oddly though, when the people in this story encounter a profoundly good thing of an awesome healing, 
They do everything in their power to not connect the good thing to God. Some, it seems, are more comfortable with making God to be a dispenser of punishment than the decanter of something good. God cannot have been involved in this incident because it does not conform to our rules and patterns, the Pharisees concluded. Disagree with us and you're a greasy sinner, period, end of story. And that's how the glory of God gets missed, even in church today. Traditions and rules and eye beams can make us spiritually blind, just as surely as an injury to our eyes can make us physically blind. But maybe we'd smile more if we found ways to remain open to the endless surprises of God's Spirit. It's very interesting to me in this passage that Jesus disappears between verse 7 and verse 35 when the main action is an attempt to define what God would or would not do. But once we just get back to the healed man, Jesus reappears out of nowhere to ask the man a very simple question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man replies, just point him out. I'd love to lay eyes on this man. It's me, Jesus says. And for the first time in his life, the man discovered what it is to get blurry-eyed with tears. He worships Jesus without hesitation, without checking in on any catechism or rule book to see if worshiping this man was considered orthodox. It's such a moving spectacle, at least for, for those who were able to see. What was the first step to this man's healing? Jesus. Jesus saw him, Sawabona, recognized him, acknowledged his presence. He saw the outcast and the pariah, the nobody. Jesus was always with those on the outskirts. I wonder if you can be brutally honest with yourself. Who do you glance over? Is it someone that's just always been there? Maybe it's someone that's been there so often and so routine that they've kind of just faded into the background. Maybe it's someone that's too old or maybe that's someone that's too young. Someone that doesn't fit into your mold of what a Christian should or should not be. Maybe it's someone you consider to be too worldly. Maybe it's someone you would say too much of a sinner. What's hindering your sight? What's, what's gotten stuck on your glasses? What Pharisee sunglasses prohibits the light from coming in? And if you allow your, your prejudices and your biases to be wiped away, who might you see? Note the following. The man has not expressed faith or asked for this healing. His role is very passive until he washes his face in the pool of Siloam. And then his faith grows in confidence after each encounter with the Pharisees. 
He actually at one point says, but Jesus has to be a prophet. Surely this man is a prophet. And then he says that famous verse, I was blind, but now I see. Lord, I believe. And then he worships Jesus and starts following him. I want to show you a picture here of a man with the name Charles Bolden. Maybe you've heard of him before. This man was one of the greatest tightrope walkers in all of history. And this picture was taken a few years ago as he crossed the Niagara Falls 11,000 feet, actually 160 feet above the falls. And when he crossed, each time he took something different with him. First, a, a sack, and then he went on stilts on a bicycle. He even once did it in the dark, and then also blindfolded. One time, he even carried a stove and cooked an omelette in the middle of the rope. A large crowd gathered, and the buzz of excitement rang along both sides of the riverbank. The crowd oohed and awed as Blondin carefully walked across one dangerous step after another. And then he did something different. He pushed a wheelbarrow holding a sack of potatoes. Blondin suddenly stopped and addressed the audience. Do you believe I can carry a person across in this wheelbarrow? The crowd enthusiastically yelled, yes. You are the greatest tightrope walker in the world. We believe. Okay, said Blondin. Who wants to get into the wheelbarrow? As far as the Blondin story goes, no one did at that time. The crowd watched these daring feats. They said they believed. But their actions proved otherwise. Similarly, it is one thing for us to say, we believe God, that we see him. However, it's true faith when we put our trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. More than our trust in our rules and our regulations, then we can begin to see Christ everywhere and in everyone we meet will you accept this invitation in this week to come to see god's beauty in the most unlikely of places and people allowing his spirit to open your eyes to bring to light things that have previously been blocked if anything be open to surprise You'll be amazed to see how God will reveal himself if you're willing to see. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. There where you are, accept this invitation just to close your eyes for a moment to ask the Lord to reveal to you what he wants you to see. In this moment. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we know 
that you are an all-knowing God and that you are an all-seeing God. Nothing, nothing happens without you being aware of it. So we find so much comfort in that, Lord, that we can actually just respond with Sikona. I am here. That you reach to us, out to us every single moment of every single day to say that I see you. Not only do you see us, Lord, but you love us with the Father's love. You, don't, you won't ever neglect us, Lord. We are the apple of your eye. Thank you for that thought, Lord, that we are so precious to you that you've given us your son, Jesus Christ, that you've given up your son so that we might be able to see and believe and have faith. Thank you, Lord, that you've opened up our eyes to this truth. And we pray, Lord, that we will live in this week as though it's not just something that we follow because it's a rule book or it's something that sounds very interesting and it could be inspiring, but that we will really take it to heart and that people, when they see us and they see our faces and then the way we talk with our bodies, Lord, and our expressions, that they will know that there's a different type of joy and contentment within us and its source is your love, God. May it continue to transform us so that we can help assist this process of bringing other people also in the line. Lord, I know I'm, I'm often guilty of standing on either side of the Niagara Falls, and it, it's quite tempting um, seeing you out there in the middle. And, but when you invite me to get into the wheelbarrow and to follow you, I'm quite reluctant to do that. But we know, Lord, that faith without actions is actually dead. And so I pray that you will help us to seek out opportunities to share your light and goodness in this week. Not because we want to earn our salvation, our redemption, but because it's such a natural way to respond to this incredible grace that you've given us. We've received so many second opportunities. Might we give other people the same opportunities? Might we be quick to forgive and to love unconditionally as you do? Open up our eyes, Lord, as the song said, to see your glory, to see your holiness. Might others experience that, that they would want to follow us to wherever it is that we are going, because we've discovered something, pure gold, and not something material, something that's everlasting, something that won't ever be able to fade away or vanish or, or be stolen. Might our lives be testimony to this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. May God the Father give you fresh eyes to see. May the Spirit lead you to places you've never been before. And may you accompany Jesus to the broken, weary, and lost as you confront your own blindness in this week. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.
Amen.